2: Hello! Hello! I'm staring at you on a screen instead of staring at your face in person.
3: We've been separated.
2: We have. Um, Annabelle was getting her screen sorted out. And she, she was just... Uh, basically, we're, we're on a video call. We're, we're doing this because I've got a lurgy. Um, and she's, you were just getting your computer desktop Arranged, mm. And you very deliberately said, I'm just going to put you in a corner.
3: Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and I, know what, I know why you
2: said it. And, and I thought, no, I'm not going to give it the satisfaction.
3: It's very disappointing.
2: You wanted the dirty dancing quote. I thought, I'm not, uh, no. I'm not, a, perf- I'm not a performing <gasps> monkey no. seal, but dancing bear. I don't know what I'm not. But anyway, I'm not well. Um, I'm sitting here in my dressing gown.
3: Mm, it's a nice stripy dressing gown.
2: Thank you. I, ju- I just want you to know as well, I am wearing underpants, trousers and socks.
3: I don't believe that for a second.
2: I'm going to show you.
3: No, you really? I I totally assumed that you were naked it. Oh, <laughs>
2: That's how much respect I have for you.
3: I am so impressed. Yeah. If I had to put my house on it, I'd have said, nah, there's nobody's got nothing on underneath.
2: Nothing. No, no. Just because you can see a glimpse of my hairy chest. Well, I can, yes. Doesn't mean that I'm uh, disrobed further down. No, okay. out of respect for you, Annabelle, uh, I'm, I made sure that I was fully dressed from the waist down. Okay. Is it? Excuse me. Is it distracting this hairy chest? That's <laughs> it's
3: fine. I it's the dressing gown that's more distracting because it looks a bit like because it's it's not bedtime and it's not morning. I mean, it looks like you're ill, which you are. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So how, how is that affecting things, though?
3: I just feel weird talking to an ill person. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, is a, that
2: why your career in nursing never worked out?
3: Exactly. Otherwise, it would have been very successful. No, it just feel, I just feel like, oh, you're ill and, you, when we, and you're working and I feel bad for you. That's all. The show well, must you know go on.
2: I thought that's it. That's it cause we had a couple of things just before Christmas where uh, we, we had to miss the podcast. And I thought, I'm going to be a brave boy for the mm. drifters. Mm. And here we are. In a dressing gown and fully clothed from the waist down. Now, um, yesterday, in, in when I was well, mm. I really wish I'd just been savouring it and living each day as no. if it was my last. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't know until the illness strikes you. By the way, I just want to point out that what I've got here is some kind of lurgy. I've got a very sore throat and I've had, uh, had the chills. But apart from that, oh, I'm fine. Okay. They're not multiplying, though. They seem to have <laughs> levelled <laughs> off. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Well you're hoping that I was going to wear that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um so so yesterday yeah you know, when I when I look back to yeah you know, the healthier time of my life when mm. I could just do all the things that I wanted to do um mm. I was out yeah. and I went to an appointment in central London and uh as as I was um on my way there I, I walked into the London underground and I'm in my own world, really, as, as you often know when you're moving around the city. And I hear a voice go, Jeff! And I look over and there's a big, smiling, beaming, lovely face. And the trouble is, though, because of my, my thing with faces, I don't instantly know who it is. Oh. But I don't want to be rude. So I go, Hi! Like this, I match the warmth and friendliness with my hi, mm. and as I'm saying hi, I'm spending whatever second and a half it takes to do a big friendly hi. I'm spending that time thinking, okay, uh, where am I? I'm close to a place where I've done quite a lot of work. This could be um, someone I've worked with. I'm thinking colleague, but there's a lot of warmth in the voice there, so it's it's not just somebody I've worked with once or twice. There's a, there's a a, a deeper relationship there, but I still haven't got it. So to, to buy myself a little more time, I go in for the hug and I give him the biggest, biggest, friendliest hug um, to convey how pleased I am to see him, even though I've got no idea who it is. And at the same time, I'm thinking, who are you? Come on, I've got to get there, friendly, this part of London. Uh, and I, I i let go cuz the hug's gone on a bit too long and i give a big friendly so how are you how are things how's everything and i see at this point that his 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 face is still being friendly but a, a, it's like a shadow has passed over the face and he is looking there's a slight disturbed look i would say right and at which point these words fall out of his mouth oh I don't think we've ever met, actually. Oh. Oh.
3: (laughs) So it's just someone who's maybe listened to you on the... Somebody
2: who listens to this podcast. Oh,
3: no. Oh, well, they probably just thought you are super friendly, but maybe so. Well, he said,
2: I know you've got your thing with faces. I said, I do, and that's what was going on. This is how I tried to disguise it. And then he says, what's weird is you talk about being socially awkward and uncomfortable all the time, and look, there you are, just giving me a hug. And I have to say, no... That is a manifestation of how socially uncomfortable I am. That I've literally got no idea who you are. (laughs) And instead of just being comfortable enough to say that, Mm. I give you a panic hug and make everything uncomfortable. Mm -mm. I mean, it was quite something. And then, you know, I felt as if I took up too much of his time (laughs) overcompensating. So I think I've told you this. Before, if anybody says they listen to the podcast, I'm so grateful Mm. that I. I think that I just run it into the ground, run the conversation into the ground. They end up regretting ever saying anything. Yes, Mm. it's not, and and I'm not quite so needy that I'm going. Oh, but what is it you like about it? Right, right. But I think, oh, how kind, kind of you to uh, to say something, and then I, I need to give it appropriately lengthed. Interaction back as a as a token of my gratitude, Mm -hmm. but I think my gratitude versus what they want are two different things.
3: Right, right. I think I
2: exhausted the poor man.
3: Oh,
2: and not only that, I am now ill today. I'm really worried that it was I was infectious and I've I've made him ill too.
3: He's gonna for the rest of his life. He's gonna regret ever saying Jeff, Jeff. As he lies there with his chills uh, multiplying.
2: I know. Unless I got it from him, of course.
3: No, that's not possible.
2: Well, I think it is possible. (laughs) Is it?
3: It's too soon. I I don't know why I'm standing up for this person. I don't know who they are either.
2: uh, Your old amateur epidemiologist... It's um, it's
3: pathetic, isn't it?
2: ...came back again. I know, pathetic. Yeah. But um, anyway, my my apologies if... uh, 90% 90% sure he said his name was Andy, but I was feeling so flushed and Andy? embarrassed. Andy? About... You
3: mean Andy? I know, Andy. <laughs> Andy, hello.
0: Um,
2: but ap- apologies, uh, apologies, Andy, for everything. OK. And it's difficult because I know just by telling that story, it's going to put off any drifters from ever speaking to me mm. if they see me out and about. mm when at the same time it's very good for my self-esteem when that happens and I genuinely enjoy the interactions.
3: Especially if it happens in front of someone else, like your mother-in-law or someone. Oh, it's great. Mm.
2: So good, yeah. Um, Let me tell you about another mildly embarrassing thing that's happened to me in recent days. Okay. I decided to look at the blocked callers list on my phone.
3: I uh, Sorry. I don't have one of these. Do I? No. Maybe I do.
2: So whenever I get a nuisance call from a marketer um. or whatever, I, I put block this caller.
3: And then you can look at the list.
2: Yeah, and for some reason I was deep. This is what uh, an interesting day I was having. Mm. I thought, I'm going to really go deep into my phone settings, see what's in there. <laughs> and I found the the blocked callers list. And I saw in there, my best friend from Manchester, I saw his wife's name. And looking at the list and figuring out how far down it she is, because it's sort of chronological, I think I accidentally blocked her about two years ago, so every text message that she sent me in those two years, or every photo, every everything no well, I will have just ignored.:
3: So have you contacted her? Yes, and
2: I think she's blocked me. <laughs> Correspondence from Drifters then, Annabelle.
3: First one's from Chris. He writes, As we enter 2023, I feel I can now relive last summer where two events unfolded that I think my fellow drifters would relate to. The first incident was my mum's retirement. To celebrate, she booked for her, me and my uncle to go to an event called A Play, A Pint and A Pie. Sorry, I'm going to say that again because it's actually a play, a pie, and a pint. Important to get things right. Uh-huh. A long-running series of events in Glasgow with an afternoon play and some refreshments. The play we would see was called Scots, and the blurb online said it was a story about Scotland, its past, its present, its future, its peoples, its places, all in under an hour.
2: That's, that's a lot in under an hour.
3: Isn't it? I know. Yeah. I should perhaps say that my family are quite small C conservative, swearing, talk of bodily functions and the like are rather taboo. Nothing to fear in an afternoon play about Scottish history though. When the play started and the opening act was narrated by a talking toilet, complaining about what a historical figure had just deposited into the bowl, I <laughs> knew it wasn't going to be what we expected. An hour of Scotland's history narrated by a toilet followed, the absolute highlight being someone trying to flush a used tampon down it and the disgusted toilet throwing <laughs> it back out. Scotland's free period products law Was celebrated with a song about The worst parts of being on your period To the song of a few of my favourite things <laughs> There was clapping along to the song By everyone in the audience Except my mum and uncle <laughs> We left the theatre In total silence Only broken by my uncle saying to my mum Thanks for trying It has never been spoken about again <laughs>
2: the second did, incident did did they have the did they have the uh, the the pie and the pint though oh,
3: it's not mentioned no not mentioned we can only hope we can only hope okay in second incident living in edinburgh i wanted to take advantage of the festival and rent my flat out while staying with my partner while it was on to prepare i had to do a few things to my flat to get it in order fix the door that hadn't closed properly in the five years since I took it off the hinge to get the sofa in, fix the grout on the tiles, those kind of
2: things. Can I just say you're you're far more conscientious than most people who rent out their Mm. flats in Edinburgh in August?
3: I'm sure. One small job that needed attending to was the plug hole in the bathroom sink, which was quite discoloured and looked like it wasn't clean, even when it was. I got a quote by a plumber and organised things by WhatsApp him asking for some photos giving me a quote and then arranging the time the quote was 85 pound which seemed quite a lot for what it was but he could do it quickly and I have no skills to deal with it myself so I agreed unfortunately I wouldn't be in so I asked my mum to come round to mine and let the plumber in As I was sitting in her living room, I brought up the WhatsApp conversation on my phone to double-check the time and price and started to tell her the story of how I knew it was probably a bit of a rip-off. And you know what tradesmen are like. They can get away with charging what they like, etc., etc. £85 is ridiculous, I know, but what can you do, etc. I then looked at my phone and froze. I was in a call with the plumber that had already lasted several minutes. I must uh, have pressed call uh, when I brought up the conversation. people uh, would have heard everything. Oh, no. Oh my no. face went red and my heart rate went through the roof. I quickly sent, sorry, think I called you by mistake. His status then alternated between typing and online for, no exaggeration, 15 minutes.
2: Oh, God.
3: No message was sent. When the day was, he was due to come uh. came... I sent a message double checking he was still coming and he replied that he was. Thank God my mum, who is very much not a drifter, was the one to be in and meet him. She immediately told him they should clear clear the air and apologise for the call. Even throwing herself under the bus as the tight one is just too old and out of touch with prices.
2: Oh, God, love that (laughs) mum of yours.
3: Incredible recovery and the job was done well. Despite the good job, I can, of course, never contact him again.
2: Of course not, no. No,
3: no, no, no. Uh, And this is from Emily. I have a story about blurting something out without thinking in a desperate attempt for a laugh. I started a new job last year in a new city where I didn't know anyone. And despite being a drifter, still long to meet someone, hopefully a fellow drifter, to make my life more than just work. In an attempt to drum up some camaraderie, I suggested a cake rotor at work. I'd say I'm pretty adept at baking and it's easy to avoid conversation if your mouth is full of cake. (laughs) One week, one of my seniors, who I'd managed to have some slightly strained banter with, announced the team she'd made cookies. She opened the trim tin to show us all and the cookies had little brown bits in them. I asked her what they were and she told me they were chocolate chips. I looked her dead in the eye and without the comedic delivery I had intended, flatly said to her, Good, because if there were raisins, I'd have punched you in the face. (laughs) I mean, it's what we'd all be thinking, right? (laughs) She looked back at me, confused, scared, worried. I am in no way a remotely violent person, so God knows why I would think that was an amusing way to make friends. Of course, I employed the port protocol, took a cookie, cookie and went to sit at the computer and avoided making eye contact for the rest of the day.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. That's wonderful. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what category would you put that into? Like drifters, uh, um, uh, drifters joining in with the banter?
3: Anything about trying to be funny in that kind of scenario and just totally failing, getting it so wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, Attempting to to become a bantzmeister or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, those are all extremely strong. Mm. Uh, Send us yours, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle? Yes. Shall we have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult?
3: Let's. So I was doing a bit of cleaning and tidying on Sunday morning. And my son said to me, is someone coming around? And I told him no, as they weren't. And he replied, why are you cleaning then? <laughs> He's only five. He's worked out they only ever clean when we've got visitors around. It's so <laughs> shameful. But I am trying to make a bit more of an effort. I'm trying to sort the, whole, the house out. It's just, I just find it so frustrating that you spend ages cleaning something. And then a week later, it's dirty again. how do people like Mrs Hinch get over the feeling of why do I bother because I'm struggling Mm. but I think the reason for this is that my next door neighbour told me about someone I've never spoken to but I see sometimes as their child goes to the same school as mine she told me she'd just sold her house so I did the normal thing. I went straight home. I went straight on right move, the online property portal, <laughs> so I could look at it. Now, this is normal, isn't it? To, yeah. To look at an online around the home of someone you've never spoken to yeah, but yeah, yeah, the yeah, would recognized in street. Would you is. have yeah, done the yeah, same yeah, thing? Yeah, of course I, I would, I feel yeah, so yeah. much better now. Yeah. Their house, it is stunning. I don't think I've ever felt such terrible envy, mixed with so much shame that I was looking at it, being nosy, and also so much shame about my own home because she lives really close to me. She's probably younger than me. Most mums at the school are. And like, look what she's achieved. She's achieved this beautiful home. And I just have the problem that when I moved into where I live now, it wasn't to my taste at all. And I was telling my friend Kay about all I needed to do to it. And she said, well, wouldn't it just be easier to change your taste? And looking back, (laughs) I realized she was probably joking or just trying to shut down what would have probably been quite a boring conversation. But I thought, Yeah, what a good idea. That will save me both time and money. Because (laughs) while I knew it wasn't to my taste, I didn't then or now know what my taste actually is. Like I know what I don't like and I kind of know what I do like. But that's lots of different things. I couldn't describe my taste in interiors any better than I could describe my taste in music or clothes or men. When I was supposed to be developing a certain particular taste for things. I, I just, what was I doing? I'm worried I was just too busy watching Big Brother or seeing the <laughs> faintest hint of a Twitter spat and spending the next three hours researching exactly what has happened and why and looking at <laughs> homes of people I've never spoken to. Also, how often do people redecorate? I started wondering this and I Googled it. I looked at the first page of results. Here are the answers. Every five years, at least twice within eight years, weird answer, do one room a year, redecorate the living room every twelve to eighteen months. There was a survey done. They found that it depended on the age bracket. But there is a one in three one in three eighteen to twenty-four-year-olds redecorate every three months. Every what? three
2: months? No, they don't. That's not a real a- survey. Who
3: were they asking? Like the children of Lawrence Willem <laughs> Bowen, Linda Barker and Anna Ryder Richardson. <laughs> Did they just mean they were sticking up a new poster with blue tack? Because yes. that's the only I think <laughs> that's it. That's the only redecorating <laughs> I was doing at that age. So I'm feeling more and more like a failure. Another survey is that he found on average Brits redecorate their living room every 25 months and their bedroom every 29 months. Wow. I've not touched mine in nearly twelve years. I'm honestly quite shocked. There were some Roman blinds in my kitchen, which were there when I moved in, and I honestly despise them but i've just left them there <laughs> and got used to them i had no idea people were doing it this much i'm sure not, like you haven't redecorated since you've moved into your house have you no
2: but it need it needs it it needs it so Doesn't we're it? At, I wonder, oh yeah it, I, I think our house is disgusting no yeah beautiful I, I, no so we moved in in 2014 what is it now so we've been in here does that make it nine years oh
3: nearly? i'm feeling so much better
2: so, and, and I think, I, I think we should have redecorated about three years ago.
3: So that would have made it every five six. years, five, five six or six years. Yeah. Hmm. I, d- I just don't think people are doing this much, I, unless I'm not noticing my friend's houses. I mean, growing up, I remember we used to get new wallpaper and whenever my dad had a big win on the horses, but I don't gamble. <laughs> so it's not something I think I'm ever going to do, but I'm going to now because I'm panicking that when I eventually move, someone I've never spoken to but vaguely recognises me will look up my home on right move and just feel pity. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want that.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: Oh, just before we uh, before we go any further, let me just say that we recorded um, our latest Patreon video last week. Mm. But I um, I've spilled. Did I mention that I spilled a cup of coffee into my laptop?
3: I don't know if you did actually. Oh,
2: I've been I've been without a laptop for I think like two and a half, three weeks or something now, and I can't edit video on Sarah's. Uh, okay it's too creaky but I I should be getting it back any day now and that also for anybody who's asked about the bits of music on the podcast Mm. all the all the originals are on my laptop that was destroyed by coffee and I'm in the Process of recovering all that stuff. So okay. it's, it's, it's the the Patreon video will be with you very soon, and the podcast will sound normal, I think, from next week onwards. But we did just put out all, um, our latest Patreon newsletter, I believe.
3: Oh yes, January one. Yes, on the last day of January, we did it.
2: <laughs> of the recommendations. Yeah. In fact, um, Andy, who I gave the uh, the hug to, the unwanted hug, mm. he was saying how much he enjoyed the recommendations on the podcast. Oh, I said. I we got a Patreon newsletter full Ah, of those now. Yeah, Great. He also said that he sees you about some... In fact, oh, I forgot to tell you this. He said you nearly ran him over in the Sainsbury's car park. That is not true. That's what he said.
3: Does he live around me, then?
2: Yeah, he... he, he, Yeah, he does. I'm so embarrassed that he he saw
3: me at the wheel because there's something very old lady like about me at the wheel. In fact, I'm surprised he recognised me. I'm very close to the windscreen. Maybe that's why... (laughs) The whites and my knuckles glowing I didn't nearly run him over that's really. what he said yeah yeah I should yeah. have given me a
2: wave yeah um, anyway uh, if you, you get uh, a hug if... from me <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if you want that newsletter and hmm. uh, and all the other stuff that we give you as a thank you if you support us on patreon it's patreon.com stroke a diff a <laughs> deft. Adrift for details. I'm not well. I'm yeah. um, I, um, I texted our babysitter to see if she's free on Valentine's Day, and she is. And then I felt really weird about um, asking.
3: Oh, asking if she was free? Cause it felt like there's like some kind of assumption that,
2: yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Yeah, mm. like really rubs it in that you're doing nothing on Valentine's mm. Day. But I am. Mm, congratulations! But, do you think that's a problem? Mm, she's I don't quite think young, young people isn't she? young people aren't thinking about Valentine's nah. Day, are they? Yeah. Um, what else was going to tell you? So, Gene is is really into Doctor Who at the moment. Oh, great! And I took him to a place uh, in East London called the Who Shop.
3: Oh. Is it, is it dedicated to all things doctor who I've never heard of it
2: yes it is it has a, a doctor who museum oh it just got text message did you hear that beep then no it didn't no it's very exciting for me um yeah I uh, um it's 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 a museum by appointment only so we didn't go into the museum section but it is just this shop full of Doctor Who stuff from across the years, and it was nice for me to go there. Like I like like Doctor Who, not to the point that I would call myself a hoovian though. Mm-hmm, okay. Because not because I want to um, say I'm, on, only because I, I don't think that I'm qualified enough. I don't know enough. I just like it. Whereas like someone like your brother, for example, oh, hardcore fan, he could go on mastermind. Yeah, yeah. And I think you have to be at that mastermind level to um, to call yourself a hoovian. Mm, yeah. I don't feel worthy, but maybe Jean Jean will be. So I take him to this shop, and uh, as I say, it's full of Doctor Who stuff from over the years. There's a little tent, a Tardis tent that I used to have when I was seven or eight years old, and it was so nice to see it again. Oh. Um, anyway, the the clientele and staff, I think, were much as you'd imagine. Okay. Okay. So, for example, when we went to pay the young man behind the counter who, he wasn't in full David Tennant's costume and hair, but he wasn't not in full David Tennant's costume and hair, if you see what I mean. Okay, yeah. We, there was something he was going, it was a very clear look he was going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I go to pay, he says oh, are those uh, are those qubits glasses? I said, I'm sorry. He said, those frames, I think they're qubits. Look, mine are qubits too, because I uh, heard that David Tennant's going to be wearing them in the new series. Okay. And I thought that's, that's dedication.
3: Very much, very much so. To
2: find out what brand of spectacle <laughs> David Tennant will be wearing in mm. upcoming episodes that haven't mm. aired yet. Yeah, and yeah. To, to do that yourself, I was very, very impressed by this. Mm. So the reason we were there is Gene had lost his Christmas present. Mm -hmm. which was uh, an action figure of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I knew that from looking online, I knew this was somewhere we could go to buy a new one and he'd have a fun time. We go to buy this thing and it's in plastic. Have you noticed how difficult it is to get children's toys out of plastic these days? Nightmare. Like, sometimes you need a screwdriver. You do. You
3: do need a screwdriver, yeah, Like, you yeah.
2: never needed a screwdriver to open a box of anything <laughs> when yeah. I was a kid. I don't, I don't understand. Like, I really think a lot of the time you'll hear people saying, well, it never did me any harm or it was all right in our day. And it wasn't. Things were dangerous. Mm. But I don't really understand how... <laughs> Children's toys being screwed into the (laughs) box is is making life easier, safer for anybody. Mm. But this thing wasn't screwed in, but it was one of these where you needed a knife to open it. Oh,
3: right. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah.
2: So I say to the guy behind the counter, oh, do you um, you have a a pair of scissors or something I can use to open this? Mm. And before he can answer, out of nowhere, one of the other customers slides up and says... You can borrow this if you like. And then pulls out the most enormous knife you have ever seen.
3: That's actually terrifying. I know. Wow.
2: But then I didn't think I could turn him down.
3: I don't want to get off his hand straight away. I'd be taking it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm trying to use this nitro. And it isn't the right implement. I would have been far better off with uh, scissors. I'm stabbing mm. away at this thing. But I th- I'm worried that if I accept the offer of scissors from the man behind the counter mm. and give this guy his knife back, mm. he will feel insulted and then stab me with it. <laughs>
3: that's, all, that's what we're all thinking, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: so I eventually um, eventually like get it open, cutting this thing into loads of pieces, oh, making a mess of the shop that I then have to scoop up or give the guy his knife back. And then I say to the man behind the counter, oh, would it be okay to throw all this stuff in your bin? Which I never like saying, but there are occasions when I have to say to someone behind the counter, oh, would you ever... Be? Guess what he says? Go on. Oh, there's one about 30 metres down the street once you're outside.
3: What? Why wouldn't he let you do it? I know! What difference is it
2: to him? I don't know! Weird. I think um, he was trying to wreak revenge on me for not using his scissors. <laughs> <laughs> his sonic scissors. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. I wouldn't expect concealed weapons in a in a Doctor Who memorabilia shop. The only thing I can think is in this upcoming series maybe the the doctor is going to travel in the TARDIS back to Genghis Khan's times <laughs> and this this guy has a replica of the actual machete that's going to be wielded.
3: Uh, that now nah, it all makes sense now. Yeah.
2: Pondry corner then at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic.
3: Okay, we've got one this week and then I'm going to come back to the lift buttons from last week. Oh, good. Okay. So Ian says, I'm an occasional drifter, depending on the circumstances. For example, I'll happily contribute in work team meetings, but small talk in a coffee shop with a stranger is avoided as much as humanly possible. One human skill I've yet to get to grits with, though, is the whole confusing world of eye contact. I'll be surprised if it hasn't come up on previous shows, so apologies if it's going over old ground. Like with general drifter situations, I find it okay in certain situations. E.g. someone with a clipboard asking questions in the street is okay, as looking away as if carefully pondering the question feels very acceptable behaviour. However, the one that always flummoxes me is when someone is telling me a long anecdote. There's got to be some eye contact in those circumstances, of course, unfortunately unavoidable. But at what point does the eye contact just just turn into a stare? It just feels strange to me to stare at the same point on a person's face for minutes at a time. I watch a lot of YouTube vlogs and I even sometimes feel an urge to look away from the screen as if I feel I've been staring at a vlogger's face for too long. It must be muscle memory from the real world. (laughs) Ideally, I guess I'd like to know the best way to look away regularly without it seeming rude. And I suppose that's the question here, because I think, would most of us agree that it is a bit uncomfortable staring at someone for a long time during a long anecdote?
2: Yeah, I think so. So I how mean, do
3: you look away? I've, well, got, I've got my own techniques, I have to say.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, firstly, I'm going to say that there are people out there.
3: What? Who don't just say it.
2: make eye contact and don't think about it.
3: This is the thing, they're not thinking about it. If I wasn't yeah. thinking about it, it'd probably be easy, but then I start thinking about it.
2: I know. I think, feel like all my eye contact is an impersonation of somebody <laughs> making the correct amount of eye contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like over the course of a lifetime, I think I've taken in what, what eye contact is supposed to be. Yeah. And then, then I'm trying to do my best possible impression of yeah. that.
3: Trying to appear normal. Yeah. With it. But yes, Well, I, I've sometimes got... feeling
2: like I need to just like focus at a point on someone's forehead or their ear or something, and mm. you know, fe- yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you, why see, is you this... don't
3: have any techniques for looking away? Because I've definitely developed some. I do a lot of like I pretend that I'm thinking about. What oh they're yeah, seeing. yeah, yeah. I do that. Yeah, so I yeah. do the thinking. Look yes. away, and then I might glance down. Like I pretend I've got an itch on my hand or something, and glance down. There is there's so many yes, different things yes, you yeah, can yeah, do. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do those things as
2: well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> i've got quite a long series of things i use for an excuse to look away when it becomes too much for me just staring into someone's eyes while they talk mm.
2: yeah yeah i think i can do like a real kind of thoughtful just above their head yeah looking into up, looking the, the yeah. Side. yeah 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 But if
3: you like, oh oh, like you might do it with like a oh no like and then you, oh you might do it with some kind of you know interaction in that way yes what else do i do i'm sure i've got more of them You'd just you need to work out what feels comfortable for you but yeah find it's find good reasons for looking away as much as you can. Don't hang on.
2: Don't, don't you have to work out what feels least uncomfortable for you.
3: <laughs> oh, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. So so. Yeah, yeah. yeah nothing's going to feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean But you're it just, just
2: it's just doing them and then sort of cycling through them, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what
3: we're all doing really, I don't know. I don't think it's what we're all doing. Mm, okay, okay. Right, should we go back to the lift buttons then? Or do you want to finish there?
2: Oh, no, no, no. I really would. Let's do the lift buttons, yeah.
3: Okay. So we were talking, I can't remember who it was. I feel bad. Someone last week, I should have written it down, saying uh, like how stressful it is when you get in a lift and then someone else goes to get in and you, and you have to press the button to, to hold the doors open. But the hold the doors open and the close the door buttons. Pretty much identical well they're not if you stare at them for long enough you can work it out, but in that split second of panic it's impossible
2: and i, I had a good way of remembering didn't I uh, did I you? said frog's legs open the door, knobbly knees make it close
3: that's never going to help for me for me personally. no or anyone, <laughs> <For> anyone. <laughs> well Jeanette said I put, I put this on <coughs> excuse me on Facebook or Facebook page Jeanette said I heard once that only about a quarter of the closed door buttons are actually connected. (gasps) So you could just take a chance and hit one. What could go wrong? So I looked into this and they do, they all work in in this country. I'm sorry, it's very sorry to say, but in America, Uh, they're not. They're just there to give people the feeling that they're in control. And they turned them all off in 1990. Wow. Yeah, it was the Disabilities Act. It was to give disabled people more time to get in the lift.
2: I'm not quite that's sure how that so works. In, but. That's so interesting. I think in America as well, there's like a button you can just press to stop the lift between floors.
3: Why would you do that? To, uh,
2: to make out with somebody. <gasps> I've seen it in films.
3: A sexy button lift, like a sexy yep. lift button. Yeah, Did you, you just exactly. make that? up?
2: Nope. I've seen it in many films. Oh, come on. Slash TV shows.
3: Come, you've never seen it in real life?
2: No. No. This well, I've never pressed it. it in real life. I mean, why would I have had the need? <laughs>
3: And then Carl says it's worse when you have lifts that have doors that open on both sides. And there are two sets of buttons marked F for front and R for rear. I have never been in that situation. That's actually hellish. I hate
2: being in those lifts which open on both sides if I'm facing... Accidentally facing the wrong way,
3: do <laughs> you feel like an idiot?
2: Yeah, I feel like an amateur. Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. embarrassing. It is really yeah. embarrassing. Um, on on buttons that don't do anything. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you'll go to say a toilet in an airport or go through um, like customs at an airport, mm. and they've got a thing saying "How did we do?" and it's a smiley, f- it's a range of faces going from a smiley face to an angry face. Yeah. My friend Alex Kosek says that those buttons aren't connected to anything.
3: Oh, they're just to make you feel like you're having your say.
2: Yeah. Whereas I thought it was market research.
3: But what, what are they doing with the market research? I don't know. Like, what, what are they going to use?
2: Using it to um, make their staff's life more miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, to have some consultant coming in and saying, look... Uh, we're down thirteen percent on how many people were happy with this, these urinals. <laughs> right. Something's going to change. We're laying off ten percent of the workforce. So that's what I was assumed. But maybe it's just a lot of people
3: complaining because they're feeling like they're having their say and now. They don't need to send an
2: angry yes. email. Yes, yes, yeah, that's interesting. Yes, yeah. Um, anyway, so is that everything on yes. lift door buttons? Good. Well, I think uh, I think we added nothing to that really.
3: Pretty much nothing. Yeah.
2: Apart from if you're in the States, you've got a 75% chance of them not working. Mm, mm, No, 100% if it's after the year 1990. Yeah. You know, unless you're a time traveller. Send us your quandary, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. You can support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com stroke adrift and send us your quandaries and your stories. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music and to Man and the Echo for the backing music. Um, Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And uh, good, because if there were raisins, I'd have punched you in the face. Podication time. This comes from Alex Wright. Hello, Alex. Hello. Hello. Um, We just said our hellos and then, then Alex says, hi, Jeff and Annabelle. We've already said hello. We don't need to do the big hi, do we? Maybe we should. I'm going to do it anyway. Hi. You don't feel the need to. Hi. I bullied you into that, really, did. didn't I? You Sorry. Did. That's right. um, I, I was wondering if I could get a publication, please. I recently finished a PhD in Liverpool and, following in the footsteps of John Lennon, have moved across the pond to New York City. Oh, just have big, em- big envy. Big envy from anyone who gets to live in New York. I do like it there a lot. When I was courting my now wife, I'd spend a lot of time there. Mm. And, um, and unfortunately, we decided she should move here.
3: Yep, big mistake
2: big mistake um now alex continues it's been difficult moving to such a big city where i don't know anyone and live in somewhere that doesn't yet feel like home and it's hard to be so far away from friends and family my first nephew was born three weeks before i left to which has made it all the harder Along with the 500 Yorkshire tea bags and favorite mug I brought with me, your podcast has been a comforting reminder of home, and in, and that, in the city of loud, shouty New Yorkers, there are still some drifters out there. That's nice, isn't it? Mm. 500 Yorkshire tea bags. Not, maybe not I don't know how much tea you drink. That sounds like not quite a year's supply to me. I was just oh. thinking
3: that, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, because you're going to be having two a day, aren't you?
2: I think so, yeah. For mug chat enthusiasts, the mug is globular. Globular? Globular? Globular. I think like a globule and feels cosy and warm in cupped hands oh. and always makes a good cupper. Oh. oh, that was a nice uh, momentary throwback to mug chat, wasn't it? Oh,
3: I loved mug chat. I did. I can't believe it was so divisive.
2: I know. Somebody... Um, Somebody had harsh words to say about it to me somewhat recently. Did they? Yeah. Shocked. They were a hater. Really? Yeah, very much so. What
3: was there to hate? It was fascinating. I don't know,
2: but that—that that, I think so too. But there, mm. there you go. Um. Oh, I hope you hope New York. Uh, I hope you have your click with it, Alex. So yes. I do think it's just um an amazing place. You didn't like it when you first went there, and then when you sort of like came back. When I was uh, you, you liked it a bit more, didn't you? Is that right? I think right? I
3: like anywhere when I'm on holiday rather than working. And also, we were with your wife, Sarah. He was a New Yorker. So I felt like we were going to the places, we were doing the things. It was it was different to kind of being working there or being on holiday there.
2: Yeah. you. you here's the thing, Alex. Is you want to get into the city like a local. So mm. trying to think some of the... So the, there is this... Um, there's a place called the Empire State Building where <laughs> you go to the top. <laughs> uh, really, all the all the locals they they people tend to hang out in a place called Times Square. Oh yes, I think it's like if uh, you go to Italy and um, you know people will just go out and promenade of an evening, and everyone sees everyone. All the locals, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's that's what Times Square is like. Uh, I always like this little-known sculpture um, called the Statue of Liberty. Okay. That, that I'd recommend. Um, yeah, I think there's there's some things to be just you know, getting under the skin mm, of the city. Mm. Yeah, um, Alex says, "Oh, uh, Jeff might like to know that as I write this in my apartment, I can see uh, from the window the lake on the back of the cover of Milk and Honey. This mm. is very exciting mm. to me. I do. I always like the John Lennon Association of New York. First time I went there, I went to the." Um, Strawberry Field Memorial Garden in Central Park. And um, it's a plaque on the floor. So I I knelt down to have my picture taken next to it and found myself at eye level with um, a a scrotum. What? I must have told you this. So there was a guy there in a wheelchair. Uh, He also had a white stick and he was wearing dark glasses, which suggests that he was visually impaired slash blind. And he was just sort of sat there in this place of quiet contrem- contemplation with his uh, testicular sac out outside of his trousers but the the penis was was tucked in to oh, the trousers and i've often wondered about it whether yeah you know, some somebody had done that to him and he didn't know but presumably no. he'd feel the breeze um or if he just thought people are going to take one look at me they <laughs> Going to think there's a lot going on here. I'm not going to involve myself, and it it was a way of, you know, being a perv in public. I don't know.
3: Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, maybe it's medicinal.
2: Yeah, I mean, would would that be prescribed by a doctor? (laughs) You need to air the scrotal (laughs) sac in uh, in a public place daily.
3: I take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think. Anyway,
2: go see if you can find that fell Alex.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that. Be getting to know the locals. Yeah, the
2: characters. Mm. Um. All right, so there, there we go. Yeah, but if you don't have your click with it, you you don't. But I mean, I, I just love it. I think it's um, it's a great city, and I hope. Uh, I hope. Yeah, I hope. It, whatever happens, Alex. I just. I wish good things for Alex. Me too. This this is the thing. I mean, the, the, I've got to stop, haven't I? You can <laughs> hear me. Trying to spin my wheels to get myself out of this ditch and it's not <laughs> happening. All right. Um, latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Alex. And if you'd like a podication, email us hello at com.
3: Great. Lovely. Okay. Um, shall I... How, how do you want me to send it? Email it just to you as normal? Would that get to you? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. And then, well, I wish you better soon. And... Um, I'll speak to you soon. Oh, and next Tuesday we're doing daytime if that's possible. Brilliant. All right then. Okay. Bye.